We're continuing our uh, study in 2 Corinthians. And today is uh, chapter 3, verse 12 through 18. But let's do a quick recap on what we studied uh, last time. Verse 7 through 11 begins the contrast um, Apostle Paul is doing between the Old Covenant and New Covenant. And by the way, this whole presentation that he's doing is, is a, as a defense of his apostolic ministry under the new covenant. And that applies not to a special class people, but every single Christ follower, because we are all under the new covenant. Verse 7, he begins, now if the ministry of death carved in the letters on stone came with such glory that Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? And if there was a glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For, it, for if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. In short, what Apostle Paul is saying is Old Covenant has glory, but the New Covenant has a greater glory. And then contrast in at least three ways this, this, in this way. The contrast number one is Old Covenant brings a ministry of death. The letter kills, and the ministry of life is a New Covenant. The Spirit gives life. Do not think that letter, the law itself, is something wrong with it and to, as, as if it kills us. The letter of the law exposes our sin. You shall not do this. In our default mode, we do sin. And not just uh, keeping the law and externally like Pharisees. The heart of the law is a character of God, holy, righteous character of God. We do not measure up. The wage of sin is death. So, Old Covenant, the strange, uh, ironical purpose is to lead us to the point that we see our own death. It is impossible for us to keep the law, and it arrives in death. But Spirit of God comes in the New Testament brings life to us as gift of God, free gift of God, by mercy, by grace. Second contrast is similar, it's just a little bit different, ministry of condemnation. The law, the, the more we look at the law, the more we see glory of God, and the more we see the gap between holy God and sinful man. In the New Testament word, hamartia, 
defines the meaning of sin, coming short of glory of God, coming condemned that we do not have the righteousness to be accepted by God. But the new covenant brings righteousness. This is not something that we do to become righteous, but the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us, clothed on us. The blood of Jesus Christ is on us so that condemnation passes over. It's an incredible thing. Greater glory, once again. Contrast number three is a Old Testament, Old Covenant had glory of God because it reveals the character of God. But it is temporary. It is coming to an end. As a matter of fact, the glory has abolished, meaning the new, new covenant replaces that. The new covenant is a permanent glory. Hence, the whole thing is points the permanent gl greater glory of the new covenant. Why is this important? Because when you think about how it applies to Christian life, Paul is saying, on behalf of all of us, he is sufficient for ministry, not because of his self-confidence, not because of his attributes, not because of his strength that he could do X, Y, and Z, but because it comes from God. His self-sufficiency for ministry comes from God through his reliance on the Holy Spirit who is given in the new covenant. And yes, this applies to every single Christ follower. In today's passage, Paul continues this contrast, but his goal is to explain the power and the impact of the new covenant. Let's call it a impact on the living under the new covenant living under the ministry of New Covenant. A very succinct way, there are three impacts, at least in this passage. Don't, don't get scared of this, the language that he uses somehow, at a first glance, it's very out there, right? So, but we're going to bring it together. Impact number one, the ministry of the new covenant gives us boldness. The root word has the openness. We'll explain that a little bit. Boldness of turning to the Lord who gives us unveiled sight. It's the sight without a veil over on our face to see gospel's glory. The glory of Christ the glory of the gospel, same thing. And if you remember, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, uh, the word of Christ, message of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, those of us who are being saved, it is a power of God. Why? Because we see the glory, value in the gospel. For those who are blinded and still veiled, it is 
ridiculous nonsense. Someone died for you and you could go to heaven and you could live, live this kind of abundant life? Who are you kidding? That's typical pragmatic person's answer. And there is no free lunch. I'd rather, either, I'd rather receive condemnation and hell. They don't know what they're talking about. If it is up to me. I don't want somebody's work. I don't like to be indebted to someone. That was idea. Look at um, verse 12 of today's passage. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. To this day, for, the, for to this day, when they read, read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it, is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Remember Exodus, Exodus 34 is Moses is coming down for the second time with the Ten Commandments in, in his hand. The first time, out of anger, seeing this idolatry before the golden calf, the sexual origins and all that is going on, he threw it. And second time, he had to go up and 40 days he's fasting and meeting with the Lord and he saw the glimpses of back of God and he's coming down. He doesn't realize his face is shining. It is a reflection of God's glory. And people were afraid. It's hard to see, but and yet more than that, it's fear of this holy, glorious shining face Moses had. So Moses had covered it. But notice how Paul, under the Holy Spirit's inter interpretation, he brings to the light. The real reason is more than fear of the people, or it's too bright to look at him. The real reason is because their heart hearts were hardened, Moses veiled his face so that fading glory as time passed by, meeting with the Lord, the, the, his face is slowly, the glory was steaming down to normal face. And then he will go to the tent of the meeting and meet with the Lord. Moses who was very, you know, mediator role, had a really direct conversation with the Lord without the veil, and he will get shining face again. And But he comes out to the people, he will put a veil over his face. Why? Because so that they might not gaze the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Paul takes this example 
and applies to this contrasting between the two covenants. It's a temporal glory that fades away and coming to an end. But the new covenant, how does it happen? In the same way, when Moses turned to the Lord and takes up the veil, and he sees the glory of the Lord. In the same way, new covenant, you don't have to be Moses. Because of Christ, what Christ has done, we're given the access to turn to the Lord. And when we have that boldness by, by grace, not, be, not because of our merit, we actually see the glory of the Lord. We actually see how wonderful this gospel is. There's a parenthetical, parenthetical remark that I need to make here. Some of you are really concerned for your parents, unsaved parents, and your relatives, your close friends, and then you think about how you could have a best convincing argument for Christianity. If you look at that, the boldness we have is not because of our ability to convince anyone with our logic, but the power of the Holy Spirit. The veil is lifted by the Spirit. It is not up to us. We cannot change any person's heart, so to speak. We cannot lift their veil at all. Spirit does it. So our boldness, the root word is openness. When, as opposed to minister being ministers of the old covenant, the glory always fades, the power fades. Our openness is we don't have to hide with the veil at all. We could be literally transparent. You know how good a good news this is? The things that you worry about as your weakness, your brokenness, you could be transparent. The beautiful about the real community that we are trying to embrace with each other's terror in our men's group and women's group, in our home group, is this boldness, openness we have. Because Spirit brings grace and mercy for us. It's not because we merit to someone who is worthy to be accepted. And that leads to impact number two. Oh, let, me, let me point this out. Um, the veiled side is spiritual blindness and, and hardened hearts. It, it just can't, we can't see. You know, you know one of those, um, sometimes it's a Facebook post people share, do you see certain words in this picture? I don't know how many 
how many minutes I wasted trying to, I want to be normal, you know, looking at that. It must be there. How come I cannot see? That kind of thing, right? But it's a physical perception thing. Some people see it right away. Oh, it took me three seconds. No, I've been here for three minutes. I still can't see it. But spiritual sight, the eyes of our heart, uncovering is by the grace of God, work of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says, when veil is opened, we see now as if we're seeing in a mirror. You do not think about modern-day mirror. Because a modern-day mirror, except that it's a complete... Uh, reflection of, of your left side, left side. Um, it is almost the same person, the same image that we see. But back in those days, a mirror was made of cup, copper, shining it. So reflection of your, whenever you finish, you know, your brand new car, car washed, and even, you know, buffer a little bit, and you look at your oh, my car is shining enough for me to see my face. That's the mirror. So in other words, compared to veil side, this is a tremendously different opening side, but still dim in, in some sense. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Paul says, for now we see it in a mirror dimly. But then, when? The, Lord, the day of the Lord. When we see Jesus to face face. Now, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And going to Apostle John this time, first letter of John 3.2, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when we, he appears, Jesus appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So there are three different sights. Veil sight, blindedness, hardened heart. There is a seeing as if we are seeing a mirror and then seeing face to face. When we see to see Jesus, we shall be like him. And Paul is actually going there in, the, in our passage. How do we go there? Impact number two gives us the key. The ministry of the new covenant gives us the Holy Spirit who offers us freedom to see and do what we ought to see and do. Going back to 16, to, to bring light to verse 17 again. But when we, one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now the Lord is Spirit. Doesn't mean uh, Christ and Spirit are the same persons. The Christ has the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what it means. The triune God working, interacting together for our salvation or for our sanctification. And then, isn't this beautiful? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, and there is freedom. The caution for what not to do when you read Scripture Whatever you have, we could read into it. Oh, I like freedom. Yeah, I've been just didn't like my work. People, my boss, tell me what to do and and go to church and they tell me to where to sit. You know, I like to have freedom. Do whatever I want to do. You know, actually. Paul doesn't mean this. And this is a true freedom when you think about um, living under the ministry of the new covenant. Now we have a privilege to have what typical Old Testament believers did not have. We actually have the Spirit of God residing in us, that the work of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So this, what Holy Spirit does is it's not giving us freedom in, in, in terms of doing whatever we want, but being able to what we ought to be doing. You want to be a loving dad, loving mom. But at times, you feel disgust yourself. I, I do. You want to be a, such a wonderful husband who cherishes your wife all the time, and she is filled with satisfaction and glorious praise for you. We can't do that. We don't have freedom to do it. The same way, you want to be a wonderful wife, your husband has no complaint whatsoever, and he comes home just to be with you early. But that doesn't happen. <laughs> you see, old covenant gives us what we ought to do, but we don't have power to do it. We don't have a freedom to do it. But the new covenant gives us Freedom in two ways. One is to be able to see the glory of the gospel by removing the spiritual blindness. And then we ought to continually pray for Spirit's illumination so that the word of God is open. That we hunger like the psalmist who pants. In, in our modern dread, you know, maybe paraphrase, who drools over the good stuff, just treasure that we see in the Word of God because the Holy Spirit opens our eyes being able to see what we ought to see. And secondly, to be able to do what we ought to be doing. This is not my word. This is the word of God. 
brothers and sisters, with the Holy Spirit under the ministry of new covenant, you are able to keep what you ought to do. Keep God's will. Keep the law. And yes, not because we are self-effort, self-reliant person, but because we are God-reliant, God, spirit-reliant people, we are actually becoming better husband, better mo mom and wives and dads. Not just externally, but internally, our inner transformation efforts. This is why Apostle Paul is so excited about the promise of the Old Covenant, the New Old Testament for the New Covenant is being fleshed out in front of him. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 to 27 gives us a glimpse of New Covenant in the Old Covenant. Verse 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, tenderness, responsiveness. And I will put my spirit within you, Holy Spirit, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will give you freedom to do what you ought to do, obeying God, God's rule. <coughs> this is what new covenant person, what is available to us. The impact is there. And Third and last impact is the ministry of the new covenant gives us the Spirit's transforming work in us so we can become more and more like Christ. Verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Beautiful part, a most hopeful, powerful part of the ministry of the new covenant is this ongoing work of the Spirit for our inner transformation. Yes, we become disobedient and quench the Holy Spirit's work. See, he obeys. I mean, he waits until we obey. We yield. And we hear the grieving voice of the Holy Spirit. You know what? So when you become stubborn and you do it your way, you don't want to forgive and you want to be a willful, defiant person in terms of God's, work, God's will, then you will have this anxiety. You're, you don't have a peace. That's the grieving voice of the Holy Spirit. In Colossians 3, 16 to 18 says, Let peace of Christ rule in your heart. Why? 
when you obey, when you reconcile with the Lord, when you walk into the Lord, there is your shalom. There is perfect peace in our hearts without changing the circumstances. The goal is Christ-likeness. The speed is progressive. Little by little, I get impatient all the time. The means is grace. The power is spirits, not ours. But don't think that this is a motorboat. You just get on it. Okay, let it happen, Lord. I'm just waiting. No, it is not rowboat either because this is legalism. What I do makes all the difference. It is like sailboat. I, I, I sailed twice because of this double date I was doing, <laughs> learning back in, back in single days, right? So it was so complicated. So do I pull now? Do I wait? And then the instructor goes, no, you have to wait. You have to feel the wind. How do I feel the wind? I don't feel any. The wind has the power, right? The power comes from the Holy Spirit. But you raise the sail according to the where the wind is blowing, prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit, and the boat moves. So this is the reason why we need to be intentionally disciplined ourselves for the sake of training for the purpose of godliness. Being actively passive. Not passively passive. Or actively active. So here lies our hope Amidst of our failures and brokenness, and we are actually becoming little by little bit, maybe three steps forward and two steps back type of way. And I, I want to bring this very high spiritual point to down to earth. My younger days, <coughs> You know, my personality is intense enough, right? But back then, just think of it as five times more intense. Which meant, when I got serious about God, oftentimes my quiet time was two hours, three hours, spending time with the Lord. Then coming out of the quiet time, I really felt like I'm a holy man. A man of God who is called to impact or turn the world upside down. So with that mindset, I led re youth retreat. All these teenagers in the campsite, I started preaching my heart out. You could see the fire coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and the kids start crying left and right. And then I'm going, hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord has anointed me. The spirit had fell down in our place. And later on, I felt really disappointed when the kids were, instead of sharing the story of tra transformation, sh of, sharing of their sob story. Their dog died. <laughs> their, their, their aunt moved away to some place. So 
I was really devastated. I, I really thought this transformation happened. I'm a different man. And I'm crawling and looking for a hole to hide. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes because of your just recurring sin, constantly you don't want to do this. You keep doing that. And then instead of, for my case, just gentleness, meekness. I hurt people. I hurt my wife by being harsh without thinking. I hurt some brothers and sisters around me. A woe is me, and I, I just throw a big pity party. Maybe I'm not qualified to do this, do this kind of ministry thing. Maybe I just should be just be quiet in the corner, leaking my wound. And this is the time we need to remember this. The glory comes with unveiled face. We behold the Lord. The transformation doesn't come from within. But it comes from Holy Spirit. And I could hope even after hundred times failing the same thing that I wanted to do. Let's be patient. Not only with, with our progress, but with progress with other brothers and sisters. Why can't you just snap out of it? No, spirit is working. Let's continue to pray that person. I, my confession is that the more I thought I was full of the spirit, my younger days, in hindsight, the more I was full of self, the self-confidence, self-strength. And when you become mature, at least emotionally, out of the naivety that you think you could handle with life, and you see the reality as an old man like me, another extreme happens. Despair. Giving up. Losing heart. If you don't remember anything in today's message, you need to hear this. The Lord calls you with boldness with the renewed heart for your inner transformation, that you are actually being transformed into Christ-like image day by day. Someday you shall become like Him. And see, as Lewis says, when we see each other that day, we will be tempted to bow down before each other because we have glorified in front of each other. No more pettiness of sin, signs of sin. We shall be like Christ.
co-heirs. So, as we are becoming more aware of it, we become humble, at the same time confident in our reliance of the Spirit. I, I think that's the same message that God is giving us in our journey ahead and looking for a new location, not knowing we could afford or where we will land. With our utter dependence of the Lord in unity and through prayer, it could be done. Let me close with this. John Piper writes, um, this is one of those the conference message he did, and this was really poignant and relevant to today's passage. He writes, you become most like progressively what you admire most. If you admire the glory of God most and all of his ways, you will become more and more conformed to that. That is what it says, beholding the glory of the Lord we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This is so encouraging because none of us has arrived. So there is the cross once for all to pay for my truth-suppressing, God-exchanging unrighteousness. There is new birth once for all. You don't get born again, again twice. The heart of stone is taken out. The blindness, blindness is removed. The spirit is put within. God is restored as my treasure. And then the rest of my life, beholding the glory of the Lord, I am being changed from one degree of glory to the next. So week by week in preaching, day by day in reading your, your Bibles, Conferences like this, because he, with a parenthetical remark, because he's speaking to the pastors, he's said week by week in preaching. We should say week by week in your daily devotional time, week by week in your quiet time, men's group, women's group, and home group time, and corporate worship time, prayer time. I am praying that right now, this is happening. We are being changed from one degree of glory to another. Amen. And may the Lord give us hope and boldness to be open and transparent and embrace each other with much patience because the Lord is spirit and spirit gives us freedom and we are being transformed by him little by little. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, thank you for removing and taking away the veil, the hardened heart. And you gave us spiritual sight to see the glory of the gospel, the, the beauty and light of the gospel. We now pray that your glory will continually shine within this community. That we are patient with each other 
and transparent with our brokenness, with the hope that you are, tra be, you are transforming us into your image day by day, little by little. And yes, Lord, would you reveal just a little more of your beauty that we might admire you most today. We belong to you. We long to become like you, conform to your image. Our church belongs to you. Our church longs to reflect the image of Christ within our community. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. <laughs>